So we're thankful for it tonight. Let's give him a good Bendale welcome to this pulpit again tonight. God bless you. Appreciate you, brother. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise in the house. Come on on this Monday night. Why don't you give him some praise? Come on, let's just take a moment and fill this house with praise right now. Uh, before we go any further, why don't you lift your hands and lift your voice. If you know he's worthy of your praise, why don't you bless him with praise. You know, the Bible says to praise him according to his excellent greatness. That simply means if God has ever been great to you, you ought to do your best to praise him according to how great he's been to you. Do I have any recipients of God's greatness in the house? Can anybody testify that God's been great to you? Can anybody testify that God's ever healed your body? Can anybody testify that God has answered your prayers? That God has met your needs? If God has been great, why don't you give him a great praise right now? Ah, the grave cannot praise him, but the living, they're the ones that's going to praise him. Anybody come to bless his name? I do not want a rock to cry out in my place. But I want to give him the praise that he's worthy of. And I hope that you've come to do exactly that this evening. I know it's a Monday night and, and uh, we've got a long week ahead of us. But I've just come to give him praise tonight because I know he's worthy. And I think that there's some people in this house... You've come to do the exact same thing. Amen. It's an honor to be back with you again this evening. I give honor to your, your leadership, uh, brother and sister Moore, and your ministry here. I love and appreciate and uh, greatly appreciate this church. And um, I just feel like having church tonight, if that's all right. Anybody come to have church tonight? You know, we've already, we've already put our clothes on and made the drive, and We've went to, and I don't want to say went to trouble because it's not going to trouble getting to church, but we've went through all of that, and now we're here. Let's just take advantage of the moment that we have. Amen. So Genesis chapter 49 is where I'm going to be going. Uh, Genesis 49, and then we'll jump over to 1 Peter chapter 5. And um, I'll admit to you as you're turning there uh, that I did not come or I did not prepare today to preach this sermon. Uh, but as I stepped into this house and the praise and worship began to go forth, I really felt a strong uh, move of the Holy Ghost to go in this direction. And I think that God wants to do something great in this house. So Genesis chapter 49, and then we will jump over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Genesis 49 and verse number 8. The Bible says, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? Judah is a lion's whelp. He couched as a lion and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? 
So with that in mind, go with me to 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 8. It is probably a verse that everybody in this room could quote because it is very familiar to most of us, if not all of us. When Peter tells us in his epistle, 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary... Peter lets us know that we all have an adversary. But not only does Peter tell us we have an adversary, but he lets us know who our adversary is. Because he says, your adversary, the devil. As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. In Genesis, we hear that Judah is a lion's whelp. In 1 Peter, we hear that our adversary, the devil, comes to us as a roaring lion. So for the next few moments, I want to preach simply from this subject, let the lion eat. Let the lion eat. If you've come to get involved in what God wants to do right now, why don't you lift your hands one more time? And as you lift your hands, why don't you just open your mouth and just give Him praise one more time? Oh, if you know He's worthy, why don't you take a moment right now and just give Him praise? Why don't you just take a moment and lift up His name? In Jesus' name. Come on, why don't you lift your voice right now? Come on, I've come to have a move of the Holy Ghost this evening. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Oh, I feel His Spirit moving in this room because somebody's giving Him praise. Come on, let your praise right now get heaven's attention. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you give the Lord one more great hand clap of praise? In Jesus' name. God bless you. If you're going to help me preach for a little bit, you may be seated. When you and I begin to hear or when we ourselves begin to speak of a lion from a spiritual aspect... There is no doubt in my mind that probably every instance our minds immediately begin to think of Peter's epistle and how he speaks of our adversary, the devil, coming to us as a roaring lion. Peter tells us to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Peter doesn't pull any punches letting us understand and know that everybody that is born in this life has a personal adversary when it comes to the devil. He says, Your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I find it interesting to note that he used the word walketh, E-T-H, simply meaning 
that the devil doesn't just walk once or twice, but that ETH means uh, he is perpetually walking. He is perpetually looking. Uh, he is perpetually on the prowl looking for somebody uh, that he may destroy and devour. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I've simply come to remind us of a truth that we already know. Uh, and that is, every one of us in this room tonight have a personal adversary uh, when it comes to the devil. Uh, can I submit to you tonight that the devil is against you? Uh, the devil opposes you. Uh, the devil is going to do everything in his power to destroy and devour those uh, who sit in this room this evening. Uh, because the Bible says he walketh about, he's looking, uh, he's seeking for somebody that he can attack. Uh, it's amazing to know that this verse in 1 Peter 5 and 8 in Peter's epistle uh, is in fact a cross-reference to Job chapter 2 uh, and it brings even more understanding to us about the nature of our adversary. Uh, Job chapter 2 opens by telling us that again there was a day uh, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord uh, and Satan came also among them uh, to present himself. Uh, then in Job chapter 2 and verse 2 is where we see God uh, and Satan entering into a very interesting dialogue uh, because when Satan appears also, uh, God looks at Satan and asks the question, from whence uh, comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro uh, and from walking up and down in it. It's amazing that the terminology that the devil tells God when he says, I've been going to and fro, literally meaning that I've been walking about, I have been roaming through the earth looking for somebody because it is in my estimation in this verse, it is the perfect depiction, it is the perfect picture of Satan acting as a lion because he tells God, I've been walking throughout the earth, I've been going to and fro looking for somebody that I can devour. And ladies and gentlemen, can I submit to you on this Monday evening that what the devil was doing in Job back then is what he continues to do in this world today. We all might as well settle it in this room tonight that the reality is every one of us in this house from the youngest to the oldest we all are a target of this lion-like enemy. Can I tell you from the moment that you were born, he began observing and he began stalking you. He has studied your behaviors and he has studied your habits. So when he begins to tempt you later in life, he has data on you from every moment of your life. He knows as much about you as possible based on your words and your actions and the places that you have gone. He knows your weaknesses and he knows your strengths. He knows what and at what times you are the most vulnerable. Can I also tell you that he knows what it will take to keep you from coming to church. He knows what it will take to keep you from praying. He knows what to throw in your direction to keep you from fasting and reading the word of the Lord. And the fact is he's going to use every bit of that data that he has accumulated over time and he's going to use the power that he has access to to devour and to destroy us. So the question must be asked this evening and that is what hope do we have against this lion-like enemy if this is what we are having to fight against if this is what we are continually warring against the question must be asked what hope do we have in this thing called spiritual warfare and the answer that I feel compelled to give you tonight is very simple there may be people under the sound of my voice wondering and questioning
questioning, how am I going to survive and be victorious against the lion coming against me? You may be wondering, how am I going to overcome the very thing that's trying to overcome me and my family and even my church? But I've come to give this congregation an answer tonight. And that is, if you want to know how to overcome the lion that's against you, I've come to remind everybody under the sound of my voice that there is a lion inside of you. Everybody in this room may have a lion coming against you, but I've come to spend a few moments tonight in the word of the Lord and remind everybody under the sound of my voice that there is a lion inside of you that will always be greater than the lion that's coming against you. I feel my Holy Ghost in this house tonight. We know the lion who's coming against us, Brother Moore. We understand that the devil is as a roaring lion. We know who opposes us. We know who's fighting against us. We know that this lion, who he is, his identity. But the question is, now who is the lion that is fighting for us? The devil is the lion who opposes us. But who is the lion that protects us? Who is the lion inside of us? The question must be asked. What is the lion's name that is fighting for us on the inside? Can I submit to you the answer is found in our text because it is in Genesis chapter 49. It is a very prophetic chapter when you read it in its entirety. Even in the few chapters before and after, it is a very prophetic group of chapters and verses. But in Genesis chapter 49, we see the patriarch Jacob and he's giving his sons their prophetic destinies. Jacob is on his deathbed. Jacob is about to die. But before Jacob Jacob dies, he lays his hand on his 12 sons and begins to impart unto them their prophetic destiny. And when Jacob gets to Judah, his son, Jacob utters these words. He said, Judah is a lion's whelp. And we then see in the text how Judah goes from a lion's whelp, which is a small lion, to being a lion. And then the Bible says, hey, an old lion. We must understand that there is a natural progression of the lion that Jacob speaks of to Judah. He says at first it's a lion's whelp. It's a small guy. It's a cub. But just as in the natural lions grow and that lion's whelp, Brother Troy goes to a lion and then it goes to an old lion. It's not speaking of an old lion. It's in terms of age. But it talks about a lion, an old lion in age of maturity. So now we understand that the lion inside of us is Judah. We know the lion against us is the devil, but I've come to remind us that the lion inside of us is Judah. Now, I am well aware of the fact of where I am this evening. I am in an apostolic Pentecostal church, and there's probably not anybody in this room who hasn't heard the term Judah. In fact, I'm sure everybody in this room could tell me what Judah means. We understand that Judah means to worship or to revere. It means to praise. But what's interesting to me is... When you begin to study that word in the King James Version of your Bible, it's not always translated to mean praise, but it also means thanks, thankful or thanksgiving. But I want to focus on the one that we are most familiar with, and that is the term to praise. 
This is why the Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 3, and when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground and worshiped and judah, or they praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, his mercy endureth forever. Psalm 42 and 5 says, why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me hope thou in God for I shall yet Judah or praise the Lord for the help of his countenance Psalm 107 8 15 21 and 31 says oh that men would Judah or praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men ladies and gentlemen look at it carefully now look at the reoccurring theme that is found about praise when you begin to look at those verses you're able to find out that the theme of praise is the perpetual goodness and mercy of God. Can I tell this congregation that praise, real praise, is not based on how we feel. Can I submit to you that real praise is not based on my circumstance. Praise is not based on our day or week or even how our year is gone. But can I tell this congregation that praise, real praise, is based on one thing and one thing alone. And that is God is good and his mercy endureth forever. And because God's goodness is there and because God is merciful, I can give God praise any time of the day that's what praise means God is good and his mercy endures forever if you are basing your praise based on your circumstance the reality is there would be moments in our life when we didn't feel like giving God praise there would be moments when God wasn't worthy of our praise if we based it on circumstance but can I tell you because praise is based on the perpetual goodness of God because praise is based on the perpetual mercy of God there's not a day in my life and there's not a day in your life when God isn't worthy of praise because God is good and because God's merciful I can praise him in the valley just like I can on the mountain because he's good and because he's merciful I can praise him in the storm just like I can when the sun is shining Oh, somebody in this house ought to get this revelation. Whether I've had a good day or a bad day. Whether I've got a job or I've lost my job. Whether I've got good health or I've got a bad diagnosis. I can still give him praise, Brother Troy. Because he's good and he's merciful. That's the only reason I need. Because he's good, Brother Moore. And because he's merciful, I can have, I can be going through the worst trial of my life. I can go through the worst days of my life. I can go through situation upon situation. But because I understand my praise isn't predicated on how my day is. My praise is based on how good my God is and how merciful he is. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You need a reason to give God praise. You can just praise him because he's good. You need a reason to lift your voice. You can lift your voice because every day that we live his mercy is new every morning. That's the only reason I need to give him praise. 
That's the only reason I need to lift my hands and lift my voice and give Him praise. No wonder Psalm 34 makes that declaration that we are all familiar with. When David uttered those words, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You see, David got an understanding that because God is good and because God is merciful, I can bless the Lord at all times. David made a decision in his life that I will not let continual praise be turned into circumstantial praise. I will not let my trial dictate whether or not I give God praise. But I'm coming to the house of God on a Monday night and it may have been a long day and I may be going through a rough trial the last month but I'm going to bless the Lord at all times because continual praise will not be turned into circumstantial praise. The only reason I need to give him praise is because I know he's good. And I know he's merciful. David come to that understanding. David come to that revelation. It's amazing when you begin to look at that 34th Psalm. When David began that Psalm by saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. When you begin to study that Psalm, Brother Troy, it is amazing to know that there was a tremendous circumstance under which David wrote the phrase, I will bless the Lord at all times. This difficult situation for David, who by the way is from the tribe of Judah, was when the Bible says he changed his behavior before Abimelech. In fact, if you've got a King James Version of your Bible right now, you can look above that 34th division of Psalm. And it will tell you the reason why David wrote this. It will say a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech who drove him away and departed. This is why David wrote Psalm 34. It's when the Bible says he had to change his behavior. The situation is found for us in 1 Samuel chapter 21. Because 1 Samuel 21 opens by showing us David running from that man Saul. We understand that Saul has been doing his level best to kill and destroy David. And 1 Samuel 21 opens by showing David fleeing from this savage named Saul. And the Bible tells us that David comes to Nob to Ahimelech the priest in verse number 1. And then in verse number 8 we see the dialogue between David and the priest. When David tells the priest that I have no sword, I have no weapon with me, because the king's business required haste. I did not arm myself. And when the priest hears that David has no sword in his hand, the priest begins to look around the tabernacle. And all of a sudden, Brother Moore, there's something that catches his eye because he looks at David and says, Behold, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah. Behold, it is here. And the Bible says when David hears this, when he hears the priest tell him it's the sword of Goliath, Bible says David's eyes become enlightened. His spirit is encouraged. And David looks at that priest and says, Give me that sword because there is none like it. But then something interesting begins to take place in the Bible because it tells us in verse number 10 that after David gets the sword of Goliath, he arose and fled for fear of Saul. Watch this. And the Bible says David goes to Achish, the king of Gath. Now that's interesting in and of itself because put the story together. 
David has just killed the champion of the Philistines, Goliath, in 1 Samuel 17. Four chapters earlier, David has walked into the valley of Elah and he has taken that sword that Goliath had killed so many enemies with. And after David knocks him down with that stone, he takes that sword from Goliath's sheath and he cuts the head off of Goliath. Now understand what's going on. He has killed the champion of the Philistines. And now that David's got the sword of Goliath, the very sword he killed Goliath with, David now goes to Achish the king of Gath. Gath was one of the five major strongholds that the Philistines possessed at that time. So look at what's going on. David has the sword of Goliath, who was their champion. Oh, and by the way, Goliath came from Gath. <laughs> so David's killed Goliath, killed him with his own sword, takes that sword, and goes walking into Goliath's home country. <laughs> All I can say is brave move. <laughs> and verse 11 tells us when David walks into Gath, when David arrives, watch this, the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another and dance his saying? Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. I want to pause right here and ask the question, how did they know that this was David standing in their presence? They were asking it as a question. Is not this David? Is not this the guy that has killed his ten thousands? And Saul has only killed his thousands? What would have given the men of Achish, the servants of Achish, the idea that this was David? I think, Brother Troy, I think the servants of Achish begin to look at the scenario and they begin to say amongst themselves, if anybody is crazy enough to walk into Gath, the hometown of Goliath, with Goliath's sword, it's got to be nobody else but David. They said if anybody is brave enough to kill our champion and then take his sword and put that sword on his side and walk into enemy territory, they come to the understanding that it's got to be David. But the Bible says when David heard them throwing his name around, the Bible said he realized who he, when they realized, or when David realized they knew who he was, he instantly became afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And so watch this. David realizes he's in a bad situation situation. David understands he's in a difficult situation. David knew if something did not change and change quick, he's about to be a dead man. And so the Bible says that David of Judah changed his behavior before the people. Can I submit to you that David got the revelation that if you're going into a situation that's bad, if you're in a situation that's hopeless, if there's a situation that you can't find an escape of, at some point, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to stop acting the way you've always acted. At some point, you've got to be like David and change your behavior because if the situation's going to change, your behavior's got to change. What kind of behavior did David David changed. It said David feigned himself mad. He scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let spittle fall down his beard. David got the revelation that if anything's going to change, my behavior has first got to change. 
And this is where it gets fun. Because the word mad in 1 Samuel 21, 13 is the Hebrew word halal. And that's interesting because halal is one of the seven Hebrew words for praise. And the definition of that word mad, the definition of that word foolish literally means to clamorously, to be clamorously foolish, to outside of, to act outside of your normal nature. Now back to David in Psalm 34 when David said, I will bless the Lord at all time. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her halal. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. You know what David was saying? David was simply saying that if you're in a situation that's so bad, that's so hopeless, you've got to make the decision to let your level of praise match the level of your situation. The desperate of your praise must match the desperation of your circumstance and I've come to tell somebody on this Monday night if you're in a difficult situation you ought to let your praise match the level of difficulty that you're in the midst of I wish somebody right now would be like David I wish somebody would change your behavior I wish somebody would get that revelation that if anything's going to change my behavior has got to change. Oh, somebody ought to lift your hands right now. Somebody ought to lift your voice. Somebody ought to make up your mind. I'm not going to sit through another service. I'm not going to sit uninvolved. But I'm about to change my behavior. If my situation hasn't changed, it may be that my behavior must change. You see, sometimes life will throw at us situations that demand us to do something differently. Oh yeah. See, this is what I felt the Holy Ghost doing me about doing worship service. Change your behavior. How many times do we come to church and I've been guilty myself? Situations, problems, circumstances, seasons of life that are difficult. And yet I keep the same behavior in church. Situations don't change. And it's till, until I found out recently, sometimes if situations are going to change, I must be the one to first change my behavior when I get in the presence of God. Can I tell you, sometimes your praise and my praise must elevate to the next level. If you had to praise God right now, I want you to hear me. If you had to praise God right now to the level of your situation to get out of that situation, what kind of praise would you give Him right now? If you do in this house, that in order to get out of this trial, my praise had to match the level of difficulty of my trial. What kind of praise would you give? Now listen to me. I'm not trying to hop this up. I'm not trying to get you in a frenzy. But I've come to learn through God's word. David gave us the blueprint that if some things are ever going to change, then I can't act the same way in church. I can't sit there with my hands in my pocket. I can't sit there with my mouth closed. Every now and again, Brother Moore, I've got to 
get the revelation that before God will change this, I've got to change myself. Can I tell somebody there may be a lion coming against you, but there's a lion inside of you who if you let him out, he can change your behavior. I wish somebody right now, why don't you just do what you feel to do? If you feel to dance, why don't you dance? If you feel to shout, why don't you shout? If you feel to leap, why don't you leap? Just change your behavior. Oh, I feel something in this house right now. Hey, I got a whole lot more notes to preach, but if you want this, you can have it. I'm telling somebody in this room, things can change. Things can be altered. It can be different tomorrow if somebody changes how you've always acted. Every now and again, you just got to get a determination. You've got to be like those lepers, Brother Troy, who said, why sit we here till we die? If I sit here, nothing's going to change. But something may change if I get up. There's about to be a holy explosion in this house. There's about to be an intervention for somebody. If you'll just make up your mind, I've acted the same way long enough. I'm about to change how I act when I get in the presence of God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Come on, you've got a lion inside of you, ladies and gentlemen. You ought to let that lion come out right now. You ought to let the lion of the tribe of Judah come out right now. You ought to make up your mind. I've been passive long enough. I've sat back long enough. I've been uninvolved long enough. I've got something inside of me that'll change my situation. But in order for my situation to change, I must first change my behavior. Oh, there's a line inside of you. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got something inside of you greater than what's against you. I've come to remind somebody, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is the line inside of you than the line that's trying to destroy you. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Your family's under attack. Your home's under attack. Your mind's under attack. But you need to shake up that line that's inside of you. You need to let Judah come out. You need to change your behavior. Psalm 34 and 1 says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 40 and 3 says, He hath put a new song in my mouth. Psalm 109 and 30 says, I will greatly bless the Lord with my mouth. So that tells me, Brother Moore, when I come to the house of God, I ought to have a praise in my mouth. 
But not only should I have a praise in my mouth, but Psalm 47 and 1 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Not only should there be a song in my mouth, but there ought to be a praise in my hands. But not only should you have a praise in your mouth and a praise in your hands, but Luke 6 and 23 says you ought to leap for joy. You don't leap because you've got joy. You leap because you need joy. I'm telling somebody in this house, there ought to be a praise in your mouth. There ought to be a praise in your hands. And there ought to be a praise in your legs. If you need joy, you ought to leap for the joy right now. If you need peace, you ought to leap for the peace that you need. You don't do it because you got it. You do it because you need it. Not only, not only, Brother Troy, is there a praise in my mouth. Not only is there a praise in my hands, not only is there a praise in my legs, but Psalm 149 and 3 says, let them praise his name in a dance. Can I tell somebody dancing isn't just for the club? In fact, they got dancing from us. Dancing belongs to the church. I'm telling somebody in this house, praise ought to be in your mouth. Praise ought to be in your hands. Praise ought to be in your legs. It ought to be in your feet. In other words, when you come to the house of God, you ought to have a praise from the the top of your head to the sole of your feet. I wish somebody in this house would just take 30 seconds and let that lion come out. Why don't you let Judah come out? Why don't you change your behavior? Here we are. The number one characteristic of a lion is lion's roar. Why do lions roar? I'm going to be real deep right now with you. Lions roar because they're lions. They don't bark because they're not dogs. They don't oink because they're not pigs. Lions roar. Here it is. Because it's just what they do. But the more people always ask us, why do you act like that? Why do you praise like that? Why do you worship like that? Why do you dance the way you do? Why do you run the aisles? Uh, can I tell somebody in this house, uh, it's just what we do. Uh, it's just who we are. Uh, and I've come to tell everybody there's a line inside of us. Uh, and that's why you praise the way you do. Uh, it's just what we do. Uh, can I tell somebody in this room, uh, your praise is a lion. You see, all through the Bible... We are, we are called different animals in the Bible. The Bible tells us that we are sent out as sheep among wolves. We are the sheep of His pasture. He tells us in one place to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You see, lambs and sheep and doves are not very aggressive. But when it comes to your praise, ladies and gentlemen, God didn't call your praise a lamb. God didn't call your praise a dove. But he said, Judah, 
is a lion's whelp. Can I tell somebody in this room that when you're in the middle of a mess, when you're in the middle of a trial, it's not time for lamb praise. It's not time for dove praise. It's not time for passive praise. It's not time for non-aggressive praise. But when you need your situation to change, it's time to have lion-like praise. And I've come to tell somebody in this house, every now and again, your praise has to get aggressive. Your praise has to come out. Your praise has to change the way you've always behaved lions also roar to declare territorial rights in the jungle when a lion roars every animal knows that that's that lion's territory when a lion roars he lets everything close enough to hear him know this is mine and if you want it you've got to come through me to get it I wonder if there's anybody in Bendale, Mississippi at Jesus' name church on a Monday night. I wonder if there's anybody in this house who's ready to let the devil know, who's ready to let the adversary know that this city does not belong to him. I wonder if I've got some people, some men and women who can say, you know what, I'm about to serve notice on the enemy that this town is not his. This city does not belong to him. Every stronghold's got to be destroyed. Every attack of the enemy has to be defeated. I wonder if there's somebody, you ought to let that line know that's coming against you. You can't have this. You can't have our revival. You can't have our harvest. I wish somebody would get militant and just look at that line in the face and say, you cannot destroy destroy what God has started this church belongs to God our schools belong to him our kids belong to him God, I feel a fight trying to come in this house right now. I wish there was some mom and some daddies who would look at hell in the eye and say, you can't have my kids. You can't have my family. You can't have my marriage. This is God's. This is God's. This is God's territory. Come on, I'm waiting for some more of you to catch on to it. I wish there'd be some daddies who would just get mad in the Holy Ghost and say, you can't have my marriage. You can't destroy my wife. You're not taking my kids. You're not taking my home. I wish there would be some priests who would rise up and say, if you want them, you've got to go through me. Oh, somebody ought to draw a line in the sand. You ought to draw a line in the sand right now and say, this is mine. If you cross it, you're dealing with God. If you cross it, you're dealing with a power greater than you. Somebody ought to serve notice on hell. It does not belong. Hatabosata. <laughs> But the more the devil's had a field day long enough, the devil's beaten some of us up long enough. We've been a punching bag long enough. You've been a victim long enough. You barely survived long enough. You're not a survivor. You're more than a conqueror. It's not God's will for you to drag your way to church and drag your way back home. There's a power. There's an authority. There's a dominion inside of you. I've come to tell somebody you've got a lion inside of you that's greater than the lion. That's against you. 
Lions roar because it's what they do. Lions roar to declare this is my territory. Here it is. Lions also roar when they have taken the prey. Doesn't Amos 3 and 4 tell us, will a lion roar in the forest when he hath taken no prey? The obvious answer is no, ladies and gentlemen. Will a young lion cry out of his den if he has taken nothing? Amos is telling us that lions only roar when they have taken or conquered something that came against them. <laughs> See, I love the way Genesis 49 puts it. Because Jacob tells Judah, you're a lion's whelp. You're just a baby. You're just a cub. But the more you eat, the bigger you're going to get. So it starts out as a cub. And then it grows into a lion. And then it grows into an old lion, a mature lion. How do you get from a lion's whelp to an old lion? How do you grow from being just a cub to a fully grown mature lion? Can I submit to you the answer is very simple. The lion has got to eat in order to grow. And when the lion devours its prey, when the lion conquers an enemy, that lion cannot stay silent. But the lion's got to let out a roar. That's why, and I know we don't, but that's why we should never criticize somebody else's praise. Because you don't know what their line had to destroy in order to get that kind of praise. You don't know what kind of adversary the lion had to come out and take by the throat. That's why they praise the way they do. That's why they act the way they do. That's why we roll on the floor. That's why we run the aisles. You don't know what my lion had to kill in order to give me that kind of praise. I wish somebody right now would let your lion take your adversary by the throat and destroy everything that's against you. Oh, if we knew people's testimonies of private battles they won when nobody else saw, then we may understand the praise they have when they come in God's house. Lions roar when they have taken their prey. Isaiah 5, 29 says, Their roaring shall be like a lion. They shall roar like young lions. They shall roar and lay hold of the prey and they shall carry it away. And here's my message to everybody in this house. You've got a lion inside of you. There may be a lion coming against you, the devil, but you've got a lion of Judah inside of you. And every now and again, when the situation gets bad enough, there's a lion inside of you that can reach out at any moment and grab your adversary by the throat. I wonder if there's some people in this house who's ready to let your lion eat on things that are trying to kill you is there situations you're going through that your praise needs to devour if that's you you ought to throw your hands up right now and let your lion come out and let your lion destroy the very thing trying to destroy you Come on, I'm done preaching. I want to throw some people in this house. You ought to throw your hands up. The rest of the services between you and the Lord. I want to throw some people right now without an instrument, without a keyboard, without a song. Can there be a Judah come out? Can there be a lion that comes out and destroys the very thing trying to destroy you? Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. 
Why don't you let your praise grab your adversary by the throat right now? The very line that's trying to destroy you can be destroyed by the lion inside of you. Come on, don't wait on me. I'm done. Come on, let praise fill this house. Come on, you ought to praise just because it's what you do. You ought to praise to tell the enemy you can't have this territory. You ought to praise right now to grab a hold of what's coming against you. Let me tell you what I feel right now. We ought to turn the tables on the devil. He's always stalking us, trying to destroy us. He's always lurking in the shadows, trying to trip us up and destroy us and devour us. Why don't we flip the table on the devil and say, instead of you reaching out trying to grab me, my line's about to reach out and grab you. I'm tired of you trying to grab me. I'm about to let something out that's about to reach out and grab a hold of you and destroy what you're trying to do. Anybody got that mindset right now? Hey, I know it's a Monday night. I know it's 8.30, but I wonder if there's some people in this house uh, who before we dismiss and go home, uh, I wonder if we can lift our hands one more time. Uh, and I wonder if we can make our mind up right now uh, that I'm about to change my behavior. Uh, and when my behavior changes, uh, the line's about to come out uh, and the line's about to devour everything.
Anybody feel like you've heard from the Lord tonight? My, my, my. Can you just imagine David? When he changed that behavior. Hanging on the side of that wall and that door and spittle running down the side of his mouth. That's a major change. And as we change our behavior in here, it's going to change our behavior out yonder. And when that behavior changes out yonder, you're going to watch them come in here. Because they want what you got. <laughs> What a message we've heard in this house tonight. What a presence of the Lord and a touch of God on this Monday night. Thank you, Brother Sanford, for obeying the Lord here. I'm glad you didn't prepare. <laughs> I'm glad he wasn't so stuck with the one he thought, amen, that he was willing to change the directions. <laughs> he preached the heart of God in this place tonight, amen. I'm thankful for Brother Sanford and the Word of God and the power we felt in this place. Let's don't let it slip away. Let's hold on to it. Let's don't forget we won't be here tomorrow night or Wednesday night, but we're going to be back Thursday night. Amen. Brother Jacob Phillips is going to be with us Thursday and Friday night, 6.30 prayer time, 7 o'clock service time. Invite somebody to come back. Come back practicing what you heard tonight. Man, I'm going to come back, amen, with a different behavior. Praising and worshiping and magnifying God. I'm going to let the lion loose. I'm going to turn him loose. Amen. Instead of the turning the dogs. Who turned them dogs loose? We're going to turn the lions loose. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Love you tonight. Appreciate you. So thankful. God bless you. Appreciate you. You know, you, you never complain. You always show up. Thank you. Uh, I, I brag on you to everybody. The evangelists, the missionaries, it doesn't matter. They say, that's an off night. There ain't no such thing as off night. Bendale, man, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. It don't matter what night you switch it. They're going to show up and they want to have church. <laughs> Amen. You don't have to worry about that. Praise God. So we thank you for that. Appreciate it so much. Sister Debbie, Brother Randy, it's good to see you all tonight. God bless you. Back in the house of God with us tonight. Thank God for that. Amen. Pray for Sister Linda Whittington. She did have, an, uh, her leg has it's got a blown blood vessel, something. Something's happened to the backside of that knee. And uh, it's, it's pretty much got her almost crippled. But uh, hopefully tomorrow she's going to get some tests done to see what can be done about it. Uh, they, they really want to do a knee replacement. She don't want them to do a knee replacement. And so let's pray for her. Ask God to minister to and help her. So keep her in your prayers if you don't mind. Keep the families in prayers, lost loved ones. Amen. Sister Cox and them, they're actually having her funeral wake tonight. So let's remember them. Brother Cox and them at Pine, Louisiana. No doubt that's going to make a, a difference in their lives. Also, Brother Spales, elder Brother Spales, passed away also. They're going to have his wake and funeral Thursday night. Am I right? Thursday night in Baton Rouge. Let's pray for them. God be with them. You know, just uh, no doubt Brother Tim Spales losing his son not too long ago and now a dad. Amen. So let's pray for him. Lift him up. God, I'm telling you, God can minister in such a way and give life and strength and help. Amen there. So let's pray for him. Keep all of them in our hearts, our prayers. Seems to be a lot, lots of deaths. Amen. Just remember the Barry family. Amen. Miss Paula Cochran family. Keep them in our prayers too. Okay? Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you.